Is Shia LaBeouf dead? No, he's still alive. I don't, why did I think he was dead? Did I dream that? Why did you Why did you think he was dead? I don't know. Sorry, Shia. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> well, he's in a bit of legal trouble, so... Maybe that's why he's... he's yeah. He's, I think he's I think um he's doing a he's having a bit of a Johnny Depp type trial where he's suing someone for what they said about right. him. And and we can't, we don't, let's not talk about that on the podcast. Carry on. Yeah. I don't know why I thought he was dead. Well, he dies in that film, that tank film with Brad Pitt. Yeah, Fury, the yeah, David Ayer movie. Movies aren't real life. Um I have to remind you of that most of the time. I don't know why yeah. I thought Tyler Booth was dead. He, he got a bit method on that movie and everyone like hated him for it. But he didn't go so method as to actually die. No, but no, it's just he he wouldn't wash properly and he'd like he did mutilate his face, I think, because he has like a cis character has like a scar on him or something like that. Jesus Christ. All right. Well that's when you that's when you go method a bit too much. That's 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 some like Jared Leto style of method acting, which is just I, not, I, I don't, I've already I've already ruined this podcast. We brought up Sheila Buffett and Jared Leto <laughs> in the first five minutes. All right, do the yeah. intro. Let's let's get on with this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> It's a tasty burger. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Holmes Movies Podcast. My name is Anders Holmes, and we're back to our usual routine with uh, Adam over Zoom and me in my little office in uh, Denmark. That's right, I'm back in America. Woohoo! Back in the <laughs> USA. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's great to be here. Um, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's summer is here and about to love your summer you just fucking love we love the summer it's a bit windy today but we've had some good days okay no one cares about the weather um (laughs) we have uh i'm uh we have we have to be on a strict schedule today because i've got to leave so um i we need fewer of your flights of fancy and more actual content for the listeners so what are we talking about today so if you listened to our recent episode, which will is uh, uploaded today, which was our mm. summer catch-up and Kenobi episode. Um, we Kenobi. Did, yes, uh, hello there. Um, sounded like I was doing a chef impression from... Carry the, on, carry on, come on, come park. on, come on. <laughs> yeah. Hello there, children. Uh, anyway, um, so oh, on that God, episode... I'm never going to get through this. I'm going to get fired, Anders. <laughs> so... Um, on, the, on that episode, we did mention that our next top 10 episode was going to be top 10 favorite food scenes. So uh, today we are going to be talking about our favorite food re- related food related scenes from movies just to sort of whet your appetite and all that sort of stuff. Food, food for thought. Yeah. Food we're for gonna, thought. Yeah. We're gonna feed you with content. Um, Real amuse bouche. Yes. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. So yeah, as promised, we're actually doing the thing that we said we were going to do. Um, but food scenes, food scenes are great, right? Because they are, um, they're relatable because everyone eats, everyone is used to the, uh, the, 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 the feeling of being around a table with a lover, with a friend alone, um, with strangers, with the work people, you know, and, and food and the part that it plays in our culture in our, you know, in shaping the people we are in, as individuals in shaping taste, um, you know, and it is, um, food scenes dinner scenes are a big part of movies but we've been quite careful with selecting this list haven't we um because we've selected we've not done scenes here's an example there's a great scene in a great film um it's set in a diner in the in the film road to perdition jude law and tom hanks encounter each other fantastic bit of suspense fantastic bit of acting um however not a lot of food in the scene you see tom hanks poking at the steak and um Jude Law pours a lot of sugar in his coffee, but there's mention of from, there's mention of honey roasted chicken. But we never see the honey roasted chicken. We never see the honey roasted it's like, chicken. I think a good food scene, you have to see the food. You have to yes. feel the food. You have to actually be able to, you know, sense what um, what it's like. And the, the the presence of the food itself in the scene uh, is an imp- integral part of of what's going on. Um, and food scenes can do a lot of work. And I think the scenes we've selected, uh, you know, uh, show that. You know, they can they can be um, uh, expositional they can be um they can build suspense they can um they can they can be com- comedic uh they can show also you know, be can... frightening as well there are some and times frightening where... yeah, yeah yeah and they can reveal character um and uh, and and you know in certain great food scenes it's just like 
excruciatingly awkward which and we've all been to those kinds of dinners so so yeah so i think it's a great i think this was quite a hard list to do i think we easily could have done 20 films uh on this list um but we've we've been really disciplined and um yes also the thing uh, is both food and films are like we love them both so this feels very appropriate this episode some some people myself included eat in front of a movie you eat at home. Yeah, we eat, or we, and we eat at the movies to, you know, that famous Billy Connolly sketch, which you're referencing, which actually we should drop a link to in the in the notes because that's yeah. pretty funny and related. Don't, don't eat food that comes in a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but that, that's the thing. You go to the cinema, especially in America, and you eat a lot of food in front of the. So there is a, there is a symbiosis between eating and watching movies. Yeah, there um, are certain things I feel like shouldn't be in cinemas. Nachos shouldn't be in cinemas at all for for some reason. No, 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 no. no. Come on, let's be honest. Like popcorn, yeah, sweets, fizzy drinks. That's it. I, I'm not even sure where I stand on alcoholic drinks in cinemas. Like I love drinking, but I'm not sure. Do I want people having beer in the cinema or cocktails? If you drop that on a cinema seat, oh. <laughs> Or like oh, the floor. Well, I mean, in fairness, I don't know. What would you rather sit in, Dr Pepper or someone's lager? I don't know. Probably Dr oh. Pepper because it's just it's uh, it's sticky, but it's. And as, and as we have to move on, or I'm going to get fired. Okay, we have to go to work uh, early in the morning. Here, you 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 are. You know, I don't know what the hell you do with your day, but I've got to go and, <laughs> and, and you know, I got to get back to do whatever it is I do. Yeah. So anyway, you used to do what your parents did. Get a get job. A job sir. Sir. <laughs> uh at number uh, in and out burger yeah so on with the list before you know we get a little bit too into the ditch of uh tangent and um then one of us gets fired or whatever uh so at number 10 is the last olsen banton film i'm not counting the one where they come back as no. old men i'm counting as the proper the last one which the uh canonical film olsen banton which is uh, translates more or less as uh the you know the Olsen Benton uh, over the hills and far away um over the hills Olsen and Benton, far away we've talked about we've talked about these films I think before on the podcast they are a series of fun satirical um slapsticky Danish crime caper films starring these three hapless robbers and um they were very popular in the 70s and um, and early 80s uh, and remain so. Um, they also had a great impact in the East, uh, Eastern Europe because they were so, it was perceived to be so, um, you know, uh, satirical of, of capitalism and, um, you know, Western greed. Um, but they are just these gentle, often quite, um, you know, sweet comedies that um, you know have have a have a, a lot of humor. Very, are very very Danish indeed. And I think for most people, um, I mean, I'm not even sure they're really available anywhere with English subtitles. But I think it's it's uh, Danes will know exactly what we're talking about. Mostly, everyone else will be confused. So we'll keep it short. But there is a scene in the final film where they go to Paris. France to uh, rob something. Yeah, not uh, Paris, Texas. <laughs> yeah, no, no, they didn't have the budget for that. Uh, they go to Paris and they, I think they were aware that this was the final film at the time. And in the midst of this crime caper, you know, I say crime, you know, it's, 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 um, you know, petty larceny. They're, they're, they're stealing from, stealing from the rich to give to themselves. Um, um, you know, it's, and uh, very much kind of uh, hijinks and, um, uh you know charlie chaplin buster keaton style humor um but in the midst of this kind of you know wacky movie about um safe busting and so on the three main protagonists the gang the olsen gang themselves um wake up on a rooftop at dawn in paris and um eric balling the director and his cinematographers film some of the most gorgeous shots of paris you're ever going to see from this rooftop of the sun coming up over the city and a picnic hamper appears and it is food that they've stolen from Maxime's, the restaurant, which is uh, on on whose roof they are currently, um, they've currently woken up and they proceed to have a decadent breakfast of um, pate and champagne and um, shellfish and fruit. um, And it is, the music plays and it's this sweet kind of sentimentalized version of the famous theme from the films 
and you see that they actually are eating the food, the three actors, one of whom, um, uh, Paul Bungar, I think it was, um, was um, an actual a famous for being a bit of a gourmand and you can just see he's completely just enjoying himself. Uh, and it, it's just, it's about three or four minutes long. It's in the middle of this film, but it's a beautiful little moment. And, um, and I think it sort of encapsulates uh, so much of what's good about um, a well-handled food scene because I think there's, it shows maybe better than any other scene we've picked on this list with maybe one exception, it kind of shows the way that food can be sublime. Um, and, um, and that's kind of hard to capture on a, in a fictional film. So they, they did very well there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a little bit of a, um, uh, one from our childhood, shall we say. Yeah. It is a really nice scene and it does make you kind of want to like do that in real life. Pig out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. So we move up the list then. Yeah. So at number nine is uh, the Godfather, the Godfather part one, which I'm guessing is the scene where um, Clemenza is showing how showing Michael, played by Al Pacino, how to you know make food for so many soldiers. Oh, you might have to cook for a hundred guys one day. Yeah. Hey, get over here, kid. Um, it is. Um, we was all real proud of you, Mikey. Uh, it is. It is. Yeah. So. Um, it is not the restaurant scene because there's no food in the restaurant scene. Although it is, it does have the great line as "How's the food at this Italian? How's the Italian food at this yeah. Italian restaurant?" <laughs> uh, try the veal. Um, it is. Um, it is the scene where Clemenza cooks the meatballs, and I've said many, many times that I have actually cooked that recipe, and I love it. Um, it works, and um, it is just. I feel like the Godfather saga is actually punctuated by a lot of scenes of eating and communal dinner having which um um are very important because obviously it's a very important part of italian and italian american culture um and um and they use you know they use the food scenes in a lot of uh in a lot of different ways but i think that's that's just so iconic isn't it i mean that that that, that bit um and um and it's in the middle of all this stress and all this suspense around um the don's gunning down and you know him being in hospital so um it's just a really it's a moment of lightness and and of of um of um yeah of character building or of world building don't you think yeah, yeah. It's, i love that it's just when he's like i love you if i don't see you again i'm gonna die <laughs> <laughs> it's just I mean, at this point you can just like press play in your mind and just watch the godfather i think, yeah. I think it's probably the case for most people it's just um but yeah and i think maybe it's one of those scenes which you don't notice as much the first time around but the i when i think of the godfather part one i think i think about maybe five or six scenes and this is definitely yeah. definitely one of them <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean every time i watch like the godfather or even in some scenes from goodfellas or even the sopranos i always get so hungry in the food scenes oh my God. it yeah. just gets well, so that, so hungry there's the famous uh prison cooking scene in goodfellas as well yeah which is, that's a great scene um which we don't have on our list we don't but, have on the list um, um, um bit of, I, I, I just quickly i've been reading a book called um american desperado which is about a gangster a real gangster um who did a lot of crime in the in New York and then Miami and I think he even got caught up with the cartel and with Pablo Escobar's people and also uh, the CIA and um, in New York he actually lived above the restaurant where they shot the Godfather that scene from the Godfather part one really yeah so I just not just some random thing I'm just like well, by that's, the that's yeah. good good triv Andy yeah, that's yeah unusually relevant for one of your anecdotes <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a really good book it's called american desperado it's written by evan s wright who wrote the book generation kill which uh turned into a mini series back in 2008 but anyway on with the rest on with the rest of the list um we've talked about the godfather a million times you know what we, we you yeah. know what we're talking about yeah, yeah let's, we, let's keep going yeah we do care for the godfather <laughs> yes we do yes so at number eight is wes anderson's film isle of dogs which has the greatest i mean animation food scene that i've ever seen in any film and it's Ooh, just is that true is that true because there's another one on this list yeah it's why well, it's it's it is what it's one of them but it's it's just i think the kind of the creativity and the work that went into this stop motion animation scene where it's just a, a guy making sushi <laughs> and it's just so oh, good hang on a minute we might get letters i think he's making sashimi sashimi yes oh well he's doing something with a knife and raw fish in japan yes so just 
we haven't watched the scene recently, but we both remember it. Yeah. Uh, no, it's really impressive. And it again, it's like a it's an interstitial and ultimately irrelevant scene. It doesn't have anything to do with the plot. It doesn't uh, have anything to do kind of because one of the characters gets poisoned by the food. I'm an idiot. I haven't watched the film. <laughs> I haven't watched the film in a long time. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, sorry. but it, it's it's a it, it's sort of like a moment where they really like the animators are just given like free reign to do just this great moment of putting together this food. And um I've seen the clip quite a lot because it gets shared around on Twitter and Instagram yeah. and stuff like that. And I, I enjoy uh watching it and also just like the way that it's animated and also just the sort of the, the the mechanics of the scene and the way that it's sort of framed is you know it's proper like Wes Anderson style it's fantastic yeah and it's it, it's got that virtuosity it's a display yeah. of this is what we can do this is what we can do with this medium the stop motion thing and it's yeah. it's very enjoyable it is it is a bit like watching a juggler or something you're just going like oh oh yeah. <laughs> you know and, and it's very um uh, yeah, it's very delightful, and yes, it makes you hungry. I mean, for sure. I mean, after we we watched it in in uh, where, where was it Amherst? We watched That's it right. Yeah, yes, we did. It did when make you were me visiting me a long time ago. Yeah, it did make me want to get uh, sushi after watching the film. <laughs> right, right. I mean, and um, no, it's really. I think. I think also it um, is because around when did uh, Hero Dreams of Sushi come out? That was sort of. Um, about 10 years ago wasn't it so it's kind of you know responding to the you know there is a way in which food you know when you watch like chef's table or these like highly glossy netflix cooking mm -hmm. shows and the food is filmed in this very particular way it feels like he's slightly aping and taking the piss out of that at the same time i don't know it feels like there's some dialogue going on with that style of food filming um yeah where everything is sort of you know loving given these loving close-ups and you know um yeah i don't know but it, it certainly it, it it feels very um it, it's very enjoyable to watch and it, again it's that thing of you know play world building you know here we are in Japan or you know in like the last you know in, in the Godfather here we are in an Italian American house you know it's like it, it it does help to kind of center the geography of the film mm -hmm. it does which I think actually applies to more or less every entry on this list <laughs> <laughs> it um, does um, but yeah no I I love that bit and I and I thought the film was good too. Yeah, I did enjoy the movie. Better than Fantastic Mr. Fox or, or uh, on the same level? Ooh, I mean, the Fantastic Mr. Fox is very good. It is. I think it, I think that's slightly better than Isle of Dogs, but they're both really good. Mm. Good thing. We so, like Wes Anderson. We do. Um, at number seven is Bong Joon, is a scene from Bong Joon-ho's uh, Oscar-winning film Parasite, where um, the, the dish uh, Ramdon is, is made. Which is made up. It's not a thing. It isn't. Yeah, the, the, it's 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 made it's, up. It's a concatenation of ramen and udon, and that's why they, yeah. she doesn't know. Well, so the 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 is it the Park family? The wait, which is the poor family? I think it is the Park family. So I'll quickly Parasite. Just... Right, remember Parasite, people? Hello, yes, yes, came out a couple of years ago, won a bunch of Oscars. Trump didn't like it, said it should have been gone with the wind. Okay, that film. In that scene, in that film, it's the Kim family are making it, and the Parks are the rich family. Thank you. Got it. Got it. So the, the well, you explain what's going on in this. So it's it's in a it's in a big turning point in the movie where it's in this sort of the the the, the Park family have gone on vacation, and the Kims have sort of taken over the house, and the old um, housekeeper housekeeper, housekeeper uh, she. Housekeeper. She turns. She re she turns. She returns back to the house, and then it's revealed that she has her. You know, she has a husband who's living in like this other, like this house under a house kind of thing. And this That's is a fortified bunker basement thing. Yeah. yeah. And and then you know, it, I, I thought my head was going to fall off my shoulders when I was watching that scene in the cinema. I it was, did not know what was going <laughs> to fucking happen next. Yeah, <laughs> I really yeah just completely flips the entire film, and then it just turns into like some just a completely different movie from what you were you were just watching and it's genius and and then there's a big rainstorm and then the park family have 
you know, they're on their way back. And the mother asks uh, the matriarch of the Kim family to, to, to make the ramdon dish, which is like a mixture of different type of noodles and meats and stuff, I think. I've never looks tried delicious. it. Looks delicious. It does look delicious. I would like to try it. And it's actually quite easy and quick to do. And it's a great moment of like... It's important. <laughs> it's a great moment of like Hitchcockian tension where it kind of cuts back with them trying to tie up this, this the, the two people who are, you know, been living or like the, the house yeah, they've just had a fight they've just struggled to sort of fight with these people yeah um and trying and this, trying yeah. to clean up their mess so that the you know the park family doesn't realize that the, their helpers have been living in the house and uh there's a moment where like it all sort of like pays off with like the housekeeper breaks three and she's running up the stairs but then the the, the kim mother kicks her right back down and she rolls down and then hits the back of her head and um it's quite a shocking, quite a darkly comedic, shocking moment in the movie. I just remember, like, it was in a packed cinema in Denmark, in Copenhagen, and, like, everyone was just just kind of reacting and awkwardly laughing in this moment while they're trying to tie up the housekeeper, the family's on the way back, and the, the mother is preparing the dish, they're cleaning up. It was such a, like, oh, my God, this is this movie is insane again talk about virtuosity i mean it is such a high wire act the scene and bong joon ho gets it so so right in the way he films and and paces it um and it's all you know set around these noodles and then there's this kind of like calm afterwards where the mother of the park family eats the noodles and you see you get a bit more character development as well so there's this it's almost like two food scenes in one you get the highly suspenseful almost slapstick um you know kind of frenetic energy and like heart in your throat kind of what's going to happen next of the of the bit where they're coming home and then afterwards there's this moment of calm where you know the the paradigm has shifted we now we're now as you say in a different movie the stakes have changed um but we're also learning things about the family and then of course the movie advances from there and it's i mean i still think it's one of the best films that's been made this century i i i just love it i love parasite so much it's a it's terrific film it is a terrific movie and it's just like a movie. I mean, I saw it again fairly recently this year, and it just like I, I had the same sort of reaction to it as I did the first time I watched it. And it's just, it's one of those films you could just watch again and again and again and never get bored. I think of it. so. Oh, it's, and it's very richly textured. There's a lot going on in it. Um, yeah, exactly. Without it being, you know, it's not a heavy film in any way. It's so, it it just trips along. It is. I I I very rarely say that a film is perfect, but Parasite is perfect. I wouldn't yeah. change a thing. So at number six, uh, this is a film you haven't seen, but I feel like this. I mean, I have talked no, about. I've this. seen it. I've seen this film. You have seen this movie. Okay, yeah, yeah I've seen. I've seen Big Night. Yeah, yeah. So number six is uh, Big Night, which was a film directed by uh, directed by uh, Campbell Scott and Stanley Tucci, and it stars Stanley Tucci and Tony Shalhoub as Primo at Primo and Secundo as two. Uh, brothers who own a restaurant in 1950s uh, New Jersey and across the street is a restaurant called The Paradise so it's like a film where the, the their, their restaurant is struggling and this restaurant uh, run by Ian Holman his wife uh, Isabella Rossellini is, is is very sort of popular and you know it's they they have this sort of last ditch effort this big night to kind of you know show what they can do and Ian Holm has like promised to kind of help them by saying oh I I know Louis Prima I can get him to come to your restaurant and you can you guys can make, cook food for him so you guys can get a lot of uh get a lot of business and uh one of the there's a lot of great cooking scenes in this movie um and one of the things that they the dishes that they that they make is something called uh uh, timpano which is like this really very complex uh pasta dish it's had this baked inside a pastry thing yeah it's like meat and sauce and stuff in this huge it's called timpano because it looks like a timpani drum yeah it's a very complicated recipe as well i mean i was just looking at the recipe now and it's like you, you, one recipe of it and it's like a completely uh long re- thing you have to prepare it takes like i don't know like six hours to do oh god yeah, if that i mean there's um there's actually a really lovely article that was written in the guardian a few months ago where jay rayner the food critic cooks a timpano with stanley tucci in tucci's oh, house nice. in london um it's really it's a lovely read um and because uh, Tucci's a big um, food guy, I think he's even he's done a documentary and he's released a cookbook. And yeah, 
he loves he loves food this this our stanley big big cocktail guy as well mm, big 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 cocktail um, <laughs> cocktail uh, uh, okay um but but yeah i know it's 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 a film about purists purist and a purist approach to food um you know never letting go of one's values and the film are kind of about glorious failure it's a very melancholy film in a lot of places but also joyful i mean the thing this the the banquet scene where the timpano is it features is i mean it's like everything you want in a, a community you know from your own life you know when you get together with friends to eat communally i mean it's it features drinking music high you know fun romance um it's um um you know, it 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 is. It's a it's a very lovely moment, but I do think it's you know this film is. It's also so much about pain. It's about the pain of leaving the mother country. You know about mm. of the, these brothers who found themselves in America, and one is perhaps adjusting better than the other. You know, it's not just a sort of frivolous um, um, film in in any way. You know, it's it's got real depth to it. It's very bittersweet as well. I think the last yeah. the last scene of the movie's exactly right. Yeah. yeah the, the last scene of the movie with the brothers where they're sharing a plate of where they're sharing an omelet is that that really kind of got me at the end. That was such a really yeah. yeah. And it just kind of like ends there and you just like you can imagine it leaves you. I think like a film is works really well when it kind of leaves you feeling like I wonder what's gonna happen to them, and then you can kind of make your own sort of assumptions about it and stuff. Yeah, and films that know when to end. I mean, that's such a that's still so hard to to get right so often. Like films that just yeah. like really just end end and then boom, you know, that's it. And then you're like, oh, that was a great movie. And uh yeah, Big Night is 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 a is is a really good film and i urge people to watch it if they haven't um i don't know how famous it is i mean i feel like it's quite well known in the states um yeah outside the states i'm not so sure pretty sure you can find it online you could probably run some oh, on it's itunes definitely, and stuff. it's yeah. widely available because it's quite recent but yeah, yeah. I, again i don't know how yeah it should be pretty popular giving you know stanley tucci and you know and tony shalhub as well he was oh, very yeah. popular from Alison janney is in it for god's yeah. sake there's loads of good people in this film yeah ian holm good. ian holm from you know bilbo from lord of the rings he's fantastic well, in it he has ian like holm. he has that great line where he's like i should fucking kill you because this is so good ian holm will return of course on this on this list yeah I do like Tanu Shalhoub's quote about the film I just found on IMDb. And Big Night, I think by the end, the brothers find that balance when they touch each other on the shoulder over breakfast and it's understood that what should ever... No, sorry, that what should never have driven them apart almost drove them apart. I think that's a true moment. Great. Mm-hmm. Well read, Anders. <laughs> that's Thank you. Okay, so uh, we've reached the uh, the halfway point. Um, so I uh, so I just want to give a quick shout out to the Infinite Banter podcast. They that's a great uh, name for a podcast. That's basically what podcasts are: Infinite Banter. Yeah. So you can follow them at Infinite Banter, and hit their favorite food scene is the yummy sound. The, the yummy sound scene from Young Frankenstein. It's one of their Ooh. favorites. It's where they're like sitting around a table and then they hear Peter Boyle's Frankenstein in the background going, mm, and it's like, did you, what did you say? Did you say something? No, I didn't say anything. Well, if you didn't say something and I didn't say anything, oh no, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> it's really- yeah, I know, I, I, I do love, I, I remember that now. That's a, that is a fun, that is a really fun scene. Um, yeah, the, the awkward awkward dinner comedy is um, mm. I can't, you can't get enough of that. Um, I mean, just for some reason that reminds me of the scene in the African Queen where um, Catherine Hepburn and her brothers in the film invite Bogart for tea, and Bogart's got you know the shits, and so he's sitting there and his stomach's making all this like gurgling noises as he's yeah. drinking the tea in the sort of prissy room, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, great great choice, Infinite Banter podcast people. Yes. Do check them out. Um, our good friend Matt, he commented on my Instagram. He now said, I will say one thing. Matt and I have made many, many wonderful meals together. A couple of stinkers too, but mostly great food. Yeah. Uh, because we used to live with one another. And um, he's a he's a, he's he's a dab hand in the old kitchen. So what does yeah. he have to say for himself? He said Babette's Feast. Mm-hmm. 
And then that ratatouille in ratatouille always makes me crave it. Oh, yep. and also the bit in Godfather Part One, I think, where Clemenza makes Michael watch him cook. Oh yeah, well, I mean, we just talked about um, it. Those might, well, one, one of them is definitely on the list, and the other two, let's be honest, they're they're on there too. Yeah, um, and uh, my good old friend from uh, film school, Nils, he wrote Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. You yes. know, <laughs> you know, potato. <laughs> no, well, no, wait, sorry. He, he he said Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. You know which one? Tomato emoji. Tomato. You know the scene. Oh, oh the king of the the, the Gondor dude. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's, Marcus, he's, he's not yeah. the king. He's like the advisor. Or something. Oh, the, the, what is he? The elector. I've got all these Lord of the Rings fans are screaming at their, at their <laughs> devices now. He's the Hitler of Gondor. It's uh, it's uh, it's John Noble's uh, character. I can't remember the uh, Denethor. 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 He's Boromir's uh, dad. He's a steward. A steward. I'm a forget stu- about Faramir. A steward. A steward of, of, <laughs> steward of Gondor. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's the scene where. Where they're... was Gondor? Where were you when the Westfall fell? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Where was uh, Gondor? Yeah, where was Gondor? Um, but yeah, that scene where um, the, he's sitting and then he has with the, tomato. With the yeah. tomato and the chicken and everything. It's such a good, great bit of editing and sound design in that moment. Yeah, but it's a bit Lord of the Rings 3, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's all a bit... It <laughs> gets a bit heavy at that point. It's all a bit kind of like, okay, okay, we get it. It's like, Peach we're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but it is, it is a really effective scene. Um, no, but the one I always think of from um, is from The Two Towers. Yeah. With the potatoes, boil and mash them, stick a bit of stew. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a line that, again, like the Clemenza one, I just, even, it has nothing to do with the whole (laughs) series, but it is. um, Oh, and then there's also the bit where they're stopping and um, Sam is like, what's for breakfast? (laughs) Lambus bread. And look, more (laughs) Lambus bread. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of good food stuff in Lord of the Rings. Nice crispy bacon. That that um, that, that, that Lambus bread did look very good. Oh God, no, it'd be awful. Imagine because it's like this highly rich bread. Like you're gonna you're gonna be fucking constipated with that. Then you're not gonna be able to climb a mountain. You're gonna be hauling up a ton of shit as well. Like it's gonna be awful. You're gonna need <laughs> yeah. lots of fruit with that. Seriously, yeah. I don't think it's a good idea at all. I think they should have had some energy bars. I think they should have had some jerky. They should have some bananas. Uh, yeah, you know, dried apricots, maybe raisins. Um, not lambus bread. Jesus, that's like ah no. All right, anyway. fair enough. Okay, uh, we got got down a rabbit hole there. Anyone else? <laughs> has anyone else written in? I have another uh, film school friend from uh, Applesoft. Oh, film school friend. Film school friend, yeah. Uh, Thomas Lassen, he wrote the Mr. Creosote meeting, uh, sorry, the Mr. Creosote scene in the Monty Python Meaning of Life. Oh, yeah, you know what? That's one I thought of when I was making my, um, when I was putting my list together. And um, yeah, I mean, it's partly, I guess part of the reason we haven't included it is just because it's so grotesque. Yeah. And it's sort of, it's like the anti-food scene in some ways, but it is an iconic, maybe it's the most iconic food scene in some ways. That's yeah. a great shout. It's great the most shout. like gross out moment I've ever seen in any Monty Python movie, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's got some competition. Um, well, yeah. yeah, that was a great uh, one, Thomas. Yeah, and he also wrote, and of course, prison food in Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we could have put that in there. It's like, I feel like, you know, you pick that or the Godfather one, you know, um, they both sort of fulfill the same function. But no, that is a, the the slicing of the garlic with the razor blade is one of the, the most indelible images in that film. Yeah. And too many onions. No, not too many onions. Hmm. And uh, Andrew Nockerty of the Dear Bastard podcast, he wrote oh, yes. very clearly the breakfast scene at the end of Moonstruck or indeed any scene in that film where they eat together. You know what? I've not seen Moonstruck. I've never seen Moonstruck either. Oh my god! Oh, we're gonna get cancelled. Um, uh, that's uh, that's um, yeah, that's an oversight. Well, um, he's probably right. Um, yeah. So uh, okay, well, we'll uh, that's a, that's that is a very honourable mention, and and do obviously check out the Dear Bastard podcast because it's great. It's good um, fun. And um, yes, and hello to Andrew. Yes, and uh, thank you to everyone who commented on my post on Instagram, and thank you for your. Uh, your uh, films, your scenes. Thanks for your input. Yes. Should we? I, I have a few uh, honorable mentions. Um, Go for it. The bit in Inglorious Bastards where um, they have the sort of 
strudel scene in the cafe with um Hans Lander and uh Shoshana when they're sitting at the table and then they order like the and he's like asking her questions and they're eating strudel or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Remember that remember that scene? Nope. It's the scene when she meets uh who is the propaganda guy? Is it Goebbels? Goebbels. Goebbels, yeah. Yeah. So it's that scene and then Hans... my goebbels. And then um remember that from the producers? I can't remember that. No, I need to watch oh, the producers okay. again. Um yeah. So I, I do like that scene as well, also just for the tension and also just because, you know, it's the first time that Shoshana has seen Hans Lander when he, you know, had her family gunned down in the beginning of it's the film. It's a stupid film. It's a very stupid film. And it was in questionable taste. Yeah. Um, there's a scene, uh, the ne- other honorable mention is in Five Easy Pieces, but there's not like food per se, but it's just like, it's in a, it's in a diner. They're at a, it's a road, you, you know, Five Easy Pieces, right? I haven't seen it. There's a scene in the film where Jack Nicholson is with his girlfriend, Karen Black, and two sort of hippie, you know, anti, you know, fascist kind of, you know, down with capitalism uh, people are in a diner and Jack Nick- chaps. <laughs> <laughs> two women, women, there's two women. With good chapesses. Yes. Me. There, see, there I am with the uh, getting the making gender. Uh, and I think actually one of them was Tony Basil. 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 Uh, who yeah, did the, of, of Mickey fame, yes. Yeah. yes, yes. And um, it's a scene in the film where Jack Nicholson is is trying to order a particular type of food, like he wants like a sandwich or something like that, and he he's very particular about it, and he's trying to like with argue with this road road stop diner waitress, trying to say like, I know it, it, that's it, you have it on the menu, but it's not what I want, and it's like him kind of negotiating, and then it kind of ends in sort of pure jack nicholson fashion which i'm not going to spoil because it's it's a it's a great scene it's a really really good scene and it's a good sort of like character development moment in five easy pieces like it's a very character driven uh film um i i it's it's kind of a brief food scene in this next one breakfast at tiffany's it's in the beginning of the film where she comes out of the taxi and she's wearing the dress audrey hepburn is wearing the dress from the night before and she eats a croissant while looking at the jewelry and tiffany's I think sort of highlighting the sort of her character and this, you know, sort of the th- the themes of the film. Yeah, uh, that shop, by the way, has been completely ruined by the Tiffany's company. They, they got rid of all the old mahogany and everything. Um, oh, really? Yeah, they fucked it up. They're they idiots. fucked it up. <laughs> Tiffany's, if you're listening, you're idiots. Um, um, and uh, it's a crime against the heritage of the fucking whatever it is, Midtown. I don't know. Um, uh, what? Anything else? Uh, the Lady and the Tramp. You know the. Of course, not. Oh, here is the night. It's a beautiful <laughs> night, and they called it Bella Notte. Yes. Look at and the stars. They got stars in their eyes on this lovely Bella Notte. I love the Lady in the Tramp. It's a wonderful film. Mm. And also um, the scene, my other, fa- honorable, my other favorite honorable mention moment is in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when they come into the chocolate room and then Gene Wilder starts singing the Come with me and you'll see. You just want to sing. This is, yeah. what, this is what's happened. You've just engineered it so you could do the singing bit in the middle. Yeah. Half listeners fast forward. Um, in a world of un- unsubscribe. unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any honorable mentions? mentions um well um i did um i did uh think of uh the potato scene um and then there's um uh the bit in with nell and i with the chicken um in fact there's plenty of food related stuff in with nell and i garlic rosemary and salt that one and um and then there's uh well then there's the scene in pulp fiction yeah, the, the it is a tasty burger. Yeah. I've actually I did find a recipe, but I actually have made a big Kahuna burger. Great, I, I just you fall for every every gimmick shyster twat who brings out like oh, movie cookbook. Uh, you yeah. exactly the mark for that kind of charlatan. It's like you mix oh. you mix like the burger meat with like teriyaki, that's, and then you like fry that like sounds a pot, awful. like a that fried sounds, a- already. That sounds awful. Like. <laughs> Uh, just, just, just Jesus Christ! But no, that is a great again, a great scene with um, you know, check out the big brain on Brett and all that stuff. Um, um, wonderful. And um, uh, then, 
Hmm. There was also, I was trying to remember, there's a scene in a film where someone stubs out a cigarette on an egg, and I can't remember when it, oh no, I, know, I tell you what, it's not in a film that's in the episode of The West Wing, never mind. Uh, um, yeah, that's true, that's, that, that's true, it's the white supremacist. Yeah, yeah, and I just remember that for some reason, but it's not in a movie, so, I mean, and th- there's a lot of food scenes in Bond movies. Yeah. Uh, one that always, there's a great bit in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, a film that you and I have rehab- helped to rehabilitate. Hopefully, uh, yeah. And um, where he just has a big fight scene and then he stops to take a basically an absurd scoop of caviar um, Mm. and shove it in his mouth. Um, Yeah, so that's... um... So that's another one. Um, and um, I mean, there's just, there's so many. And I bet there's there's one that we're going to remember when we um, when we stop recording. But um, but yeah, shall we move on with the official list? Because yes. as I say, I do have to literally so go. So at number five is a scene from The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. It's the, uh, that's my stake, Valance. That's I'll get it, Liberty. I just love, I love that scene. Anyway, look. Of course, of course, it's Holmes movies. We found a way to get a Western on here. Um, there are many good food scenes in Westerns, but this scene in particular is great. It's a long scene, and it begins in the back kitchen where James Stewart, who's been attacked and beaten up by Lee Marvin's Liberty Valance, is trying to recuperate and at the same time wash dishes so that he can earn his way because he's staying for free with the... Uh, you know, the Swedish immigrant family who run this restaurant. And the restaurant's full of cowboys and townspeople, and they're all eating steaks the size of toilet seats with huge amounts of pie. And like, it's just like calorific. And but, the, but what's great is it's a fantastic depiction of a kitchen. All the hustle and bustle, the dishes that are going on, and Vera Miles is yelling at everyone. She, um, she's so, um, so good in that film. Um, and, um, and then John Wayne shows up. You know, you've got John Wayne and James Stewart. They're the two people sort of vying for Vera Miles' yeah. uh, affections. And, and he goes to have his dinner and um, the the obese sheriff played by Andy Devine shows up and he orders like 50 pies and a, a million steaks and eggs. And, um, and it, so it starts off with sort of a lot of comedy and again, with the sort of romantic tension and stuff. But then it, it, it shifts and you're, when, when we're in the restaurant and Liberty Valance and his two henchmen played brilliantly by uh, Liberty Valance obviously is Lee Marvin and uh, his two henchmen are played by Lee Van Cleef and Struther Martin I mean this film is just full of character actors and um, and they are having they're having their having you know some drinks and intimidating people at their table and just being all round twats as I mean we've all been in a restaurant when people like that come in right and um, uh, James Stewart is puts on an apron he carries the steak to he intends to carry the stake to John Wayne's table and Liberty Valance trips him up. He falls down and John Wayne gets up with his hand on his gun and he says, that's my stake, Liberty. And then there's this great moment of tension over this yeah. huge stake that's just gone onto the floor. You and heard like, him, dude. Pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's a... Uh, um, it, it's it's so it's so much fun, but it's also a, a, just a... It's also that moment of kind of John Ford... Yeah. Just like being at letting the scene run, just letting it play and building it to a a, a climax without you really noticing what's happening. Mm. Um, it, it's so effectively done, and and um, it's uh, I think you know Liberty Valance is the last great John Ford film. There's no question about that. I mm. do think it is. You know, it, it turned fifty years old this year, and I saw a few great articles being written about it. Um, excuse me, six. I think it turned sixty, um, and. Um, it um it, you know it it has so much darkness and cynicism in it but also so many of those fordian um themes that we're so used to um about you know community and um friendship and togetherness and stuff like that and mm-hmm. just it's just replete with excellent performances I, I always love edmund o'brien in that film even though he chews the scenery like crazy he's he's a lot of fun he chews the scenery quite a lot seven years later in the wild bunch yeah, he basically was known for doing that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that scene is is a, a really important. Um, yeah, it is really important turning point. Um, and um, and yeah, just so much fun. It also it reminds me a little bit of a very good scene in um, the beginning of the Power of the Dog, where yeah. Cody Scott McPhee's character turns up wearing the apron, and it's that same thing about the macho culture and being challenged by this you know perceived effeminization of a of a male of another male character so yeah mm, that's a really maybe good she was maybe she was calling back to that i don't know probably yeah 
Right. It's, it's a very, very good scene. And yeah, the stakes are huge in those the stakes, movies. The stakes are high. <laughs> stakes are, there's a lot of stakes in both senses of the word. Yeah, they look bigger than the steak that John Candy has to eat in The Great Outdoors. Hmm. Yeah, 96 ounce well, steak. I'll tell you another good food scene, just for a shout out, is obviously the book, speak of John Candy, the, the scene in the Blues Brothers where they go to the fancy restaurant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um... What's next? How much for the women? <laughs> How much What's for next? the little girl? <laughs> um, I was thinking about the big bean scene from Blazing Saddles. Yeah, well, we can only do one Western yeah, scene. Yeah, that's true. Um, so at number four, here's another film that we've talked about a bunch on this podcast, Diva. Right, Diva, yes. So um, it would be insane to do a list of... Uh, of um, food scenes and not include a French film and why not include one of our favorite French films there's a scene in Diva where Gordish uh teaches our young protagonist how to um prepare the perfect baguette um with but you know from the from the cutting of it to the texture of the butter and then of course he piles on a bunch of caviar but it's just this great um great moment of like kind of whimsy and cool and it's um i feel like it's very self-consciously franche but it's being made you know it's in the 80s there's a kind of cynical slightly ironic remove um and yet it's obviously the french are deadly serious about their baguettes so you know um make no mistake but if a food scene is supposed to conjure the idea of friendship and togetherness and kind of conviviality while also making you kind of hungry and if it this, this scene really lives up to that like this is a scene you want to be in you know sitting in the kitchen smoking and eating baguette and you know it's uh yeah it, definitely. yeah it's it's so it's so much fun yeah that's a wonderful wonderful movie and i think the director he recently passed away this year he did yes he did it's very sad um it's also again it's character revelation because Gordish. I think shows some of what he makes. He's, he has this kind of sort of samurai, you know, kind of sense about him, you know, sort of he's, he's mysterious, he's um, precise, he's sort of, um, I think at one point he's described by his companion as being going through his quote unquote cool phase. And um, yeah, there's a, um, uh, oh, and uh, 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 that's the other thing. While he's preparing the baguette, he's wearing um, a snorkel, like goggles <laughs> with this, <laughs> which has never explained. <laughs> uh, that's such a fun, such a fun movie. Um, so at number three is um, a film I really, I haven't had a, I haven't watched it yet, but I will soon, is uh, Tampopo. Right. Um, Tampopo, I mean... <laughs> I'm going to do a bad thing here and say the whole film is a food scene um, because it is. The film is a film. It's a film about a woman who's running a struggling ramen shop and she's helped by some passing drifters to make it a better business. And um, it's also uh, interspersed with scenes of Japanese food life. Mm -hmm. um, kind of a lot of them are highly stylized and sort of satirical. Um, and one of my favorite ones is when a, there's a business lunch and um everyone orders the same thing except one young executive who orders all the most expensive things on the menu, thereby really embarrassing everyone. Um, and there's another scene where a woman is dying and the family and in the family home and everyone is really upset. And then, but she just manages to rally herself enough to make dinner for everyone. And then she actually dies, which also feels like kind of satire or whatever yeah. comment on, on uh, women's role in the household or whatever, but it's, um, um, there's, I think, the, if I had to pick one scene, there's a, there's two characters who recur throughout the film who are these a gangster or a criminal of some kind and his and his lover, and they have this scene where they, in a hotel room, combine food and sex in these very inventive and grotesque ways, um, which I think is um, is just such a great piece of um, of 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 acting and filmmaking fun um, that that kind of has to be seen to be believed. So. Um, I, uh, I I would maybe nominate that one, but I think maybe in truth the film is about the woman who's running the ramen restaurant, and so I think actually um, 
uh, one of the scenes featuring her should probably be the one we pick up. But to be honest, mm. as I say, it's like it's every single scene in this film is about food so you could have whichever one you like there is yeah. a great moment which i think everyone can relate to where she has a nightmare that she's cooked a, a dish and she's opened the restaurant and it's and um i can't remember if it's that the dish is bad or that she doesn't have the right ingredients but it's that classic nightmare that anyone who's planning a dinner like can relate to where it's like oh fuck you know <laughs> and so um yeah but a, it, uh, a tampopo is an is a, is a very very good and an intensely sweet film um and uh, I, I highly, highly recommend it. So it reminds me of that scene in Notting Hill when um, Tim McInery's character is like cooking, and then he's like, "Oh God, what's going on in there?" <laughs> it's like when he's cooking the food, he's like, "So I come in, have a bit of having a bit of a cooking crisis." <laughs> uh, that's a, that's another that that scene in Notting Hill is another great one actually because it again it, it does that thing of um, showing how food can. Um, you know, can you know form a stage for other stuff to happen yeah. uh, in a movie, um, and um, and it centers it. I mean, I think like food scenes can be grounding, and in Tampopo, some of them are, and then some of them are these crazy flights of fancy. And I think that's what's great about it is that it shows. I think Tampopo has a, one of every type of food scene um, yeah. you could possibly imagine, um, including one where our hero and. Um, the woman who runs the ramen shop go and go to another ramen shop and just watch it operating, which uh, is mm. quite. There's a jet plane flying over my house. I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on here. That's um, fine. I can. It's yeah. the Russians. Yeah. <laughs> the Russians are Russians coming. Coming. Yeah. Um, do you want to go to number two? Yeah, number two is Ratatouille, the Pixar film, and Ratatouille. Um, Ratatouille. Um, it was also a featuring Ian Holm, of course. Yes, Ian Holm is in it. And he... <laughs> Rat! <laughs> oh, he's such a great villain in that film. Um, and um, I think it was one of the films that I, I that Anthony Bourdain watched about like the restaurant world, and he said it was the most accurate depiction of what a restaurant is like. Like, you know, I think the details in like the sort of cuts on the people's arms or like on their hands, like the burns. Cause like you, I've worked in a restaurant before and you, when you're in the kitchen, you just burn your hands like every day. And just like in how like the kitchen operates and the different chefs and what they do and stuff. And um, it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's a wonderful film. And the best food scene in the film is when uh, the rat, uh, I think it's Remy. Uh, is it Remy? The rat's called Remy. Remy yeah, yeah, yeah. Voiced by uh, Patton Oswalt, who makes uh, a ratatouille dish for um, uh, Anton Ego, played brilliantly by Peter O'Toole, and um, it's uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful moment. And the, the, the just the animation and like the food and the way it looks, and you could just it just makes you hungry while watching that movie. I just remember watching it in the cinema, and I thought like, oh god, this just I really want to go out and to a proper French restaurant and just eat all that food. Yeah, I mean, um, it's also just a great, it's, it's just this, this thing that Pixar is so good at. It's this beautiful moment of sentiment and of memory and of, mm. take, you know, that ego eats this bite and he, he's transported in his mind back to his childhood, you know, and that idea of childhood being such fundamental part of what makes us enjoy food and the things all, even as we become adults who are driven by other considerations like our careers or our love lives or our hobbies or whatever that there are still these elemental things that are fixed in childhood that are within all of us and that mm -hmm. moment speaks to that so so beautifully it's such a gorgeous bit of uh, of of animation and um you know this this like famous villainous character is softened in that moment um and um I mean, and it's the, you know, that's the writing, that's the, uh, the, the, the storytelling, but the, the actual technical achievements of that scene are mm. just astonishing. The way they make that Ratatouille look, the way they, the way they, um, um, the way they live up to his order where he doesn't order anything off the menu, but ask them to cook something from the heart, you know, um, <laughs> is, um, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's and it's also, you know, they've been up against it. And then the rats all come into the kitchen at the end and they've helped prepare the meal. So there's this hilarious, just just brilliant bit of broad 
comedy and and fun of this idea that all the cooks have quit so all these rats come in off the street now and that you know that bit where the pest control guy shows up yeah <laughs> or the the, 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 yeah. the restaurant inspector that's just oh god that's so funny but yeah the, the that fundamental moment i think maybe one of the greatest moments in pixar that moment where he takes that first bite is just yeah. no one you never you don't see it coming and it is uh, because he's been set up as this kind of like impossibly grand and and stony character, you know, with no heart. Uh, and then you see that he has. I mean, it's just such an unexpected and delightful development. And um, God, I love it. Yeah. Wonderful moment. Just the beauty of Pixar right there. Yes, they, that's what they are or were in their golden age. So mm. good at just like taking moments where you could be watching that as a grown-up. Like I, as most Pixar films I've seen as an adult, because most of them came out when I was an adult. Mm -hmm. And you, Ratatouille, I watched it most recently on a plane. There's almost no bit in Ratatouille where you're like, oh, this is just for kids. Like there's, if anything, you wonder somewhat when you watch a film like that, if kids are going to enjoy it. Like I, I could imagine that certain kids would find it all a bit maybe over their heads or something or not be able to understand in the same way that I do when I look at the, those kitchen scenes, why they're so impressive and, and interesting. Um, and it, but the thing where you can be watching the film as a grown up, a, nominally a kid's film and a moment as profound as anything in any film you've ever seen of any kind happens. Mm -hmm. And you sort of sit back in your chair and I'm like, wow, they didn't have to do that, but they did. And it's amazing yeah they did a fantastic job with it and i think it you know did get a yeah won an oscar for best animated feature that year yeah i mean there was a period where they should just give you know don't even bother reading out the nominations just give the thing to just Lawrence olivier being <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. and Lawrence olivier being like and now ratatouille for the oscar <laughs> um so at number one is babette's feast which is so we, uh, we, uh, we we end with the danish entry we started with the danish entry and we end with the danish entry yeah good scandinavian <laughs> yeah exactly we're, we're really really uh uh living up to our brand here two danish films and a western in this list so uh, yeah that's, uh, that's what that's home's movies for you yeah um, so it's based on a short story by uh karen blixen it is yeah i've read it uh recently it's um originally the thing is set in norway but they relocate this one to sort of the west coast of denmark you've seen this film right i haven't seen it yet what <laughs> i've been meaning then to we watch. shouldn't have put it on number one we should have done ratatouille at number one then because we've both seen it no this will have to be a joint number one then yeah <laughs> because that's not fair i'm sorry i thought you'd seen this film. i had i haven't seen it yet i've been meaning to watch it i just haven't really got around to it i i do really want to watch this movie Oh my god! Um, yes, you have to. That is that is uh, this is this is like a it's one of the sacred texts. Um, the sacred texts. I yeah. um I uh, yeah I love this film. It's about a, a two old sisters who live in a very small, very religious community in nineteenth century Denmark who take in a French housekeeper um, who turns out had to flee Paris because she was involved with revolutionaries um but also turns out was one of the great cooks of paris this doesn't get revealed until very late in the film when she is able to return to paris she i think she wins a lottery and she says i'm going to cook a dinner as a thank you for the community and it causes mixed feelings because the community are like but is it sinful you know to have this you know to enjoy this amount of food and wine and everything and so they and they don't know if if they'll be punished by God if they show any kind of enjoyment of this this dish and and, and there's a sort of suspicion of her decadence and stuff. So she makes this sublime banquet of just the most incredible things you could imagine, um, you know, turtle shell soup and all this like and very like of the time dishes, and um, and then they and they they don't show any reaction while they're eating it except one who's from outside the community the swedish army officer he's like loving it he's like this is amazing and um and and so much gets revealed in this scene about what babette um had what her past life had been but then at the end after the banquet the community oh you know babette aside the religious folks all go back to their homes and on the way back they join hands around this um 
well and they sing like a little hymn and it's obviously that the 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 food has moved their spirit to such an extent that they're they're driven to make this sort of small display of joy and sort of piety it's really um it's really wonderful and um the again it's a film that you know the the, the preparation of the banquet and the the eating of it takes up a, a large portion of the final act you know maybe the last third maybe even half of the movie um and it is um um it is it's a love letter to to eating and to what um again you know these gatherings can do because um the film is so much about the pain of past lives and choices not made and loves not pursued and things like that um it's a gorgeous film um and um uh, I really, uh, really, rec- I really think you should watch it, and I think you'll love it very much. And I'm sure many people listening, including Matt, of course, uh, would agree. <laughs> yeah. um, definitely, definitely, okay. definite, definitely going to watch it now. Yes. No. Yeah. Um, so, shall we? Uh, shall we run down the list? Let's quickly do that. So, at number ten was uh, Orson Benton, Or Elapiawa. Number nine, The Godfather Part One. Number eight, Isle of Dogs. Number seven, Parasite. Number six, The uh, Big Night. Uh, number five, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Number four, Diva. Number three, Tampopo. Number two, Ratatouille. And number one, Babette's Feast. Good list, I think. Yes, good, good, sumptuous, filling list. Yeah, I'm quite hungry now. Yeah. It's only 10 o'clock. Yeah. So, but um, I do have to go to work. I have to literally go to work because I just looked at the clock and I was like, it's only, ah! <laughs> we slept in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yes. So, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Homes Movies Pod. You can also follow me at Fabricius91. Adam is at Northampton Dane. You can send us an email at homesmoviespodcast at gmail.com. We're on Apple Podcasts, uh, ACAST, Google Podcasts. Click the link tree link. You'll find them all there. Um, yeah, probably uh, we're, we're taking a mini little summer break. So I don't know when yeah, we're gonna... going on holidays. So yeah. It might be a couple of weeks before we have another episode out. But um... yeah, we're going to be going to be a bit busy with vacation sort of stuff. So uh, yeah, we'll keep keep posted. We'll we'll keep watching the Twitter page. We'll post uh, when we're you know post when we're going to have another episode out. Yeah, we'll bloody well tell you when we're good and ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And um, yeah, have a good day. Enjoy your summer days and evenings and wherever you are. And just, yeah, have a good old time. Stay safe as as per usual these days. Yeah. Bon appetit. Bon appetit. Bye.